0: Hi, I'm Maeve Marsden and you're listening
1: to Queer Stories, the podcast for the LGBTQIA Storytelling Night I host and program in Sydney and Melbourne. Gary Wotherspoon is a historian, writer and activist, a former academic at the University of Sydney and a former New South Wales History Fellow. He has written several books and has been published internationally. A 78er, he was awarded Australia's Centenary of Federation Medal for his work as an academic, researcher and human rights activist. His short fiction has appeared in various magazines, such as Cargo and Outrage, and in Love and Death, an AIDS anthology.
2: Now, my story is set about 50 years ago, a time before we were decriminalised, before Gay Lib, before Oxford Street, when King's Cross was a place where we outcasts used to go for our life. I've called the story Max's Party. I remember it as though it were but yesterday, the party when Max got his first movie role. It was mayhem in the house, a big old terrace at the harbour end of Victoria Street behind King's Cross. Everyone was invited to Max and his boyfriend Graham's place on a Saturday afternoon to celebrate. They lived on the ground floor, and I was often in the house seeing a friend, Diane who had just moved in to the floor above. Among those there at the party, but living in the house, was Eleonora. She always wore black, even before it was fashionable in Darlinghurst. (laughs) She told everyone she met on their first meeting that she had fled from a too-intense relationship with her mother on Norfolk Island. After the death of her father, her mother took to sleeping in her bed with her and often wept and cuddled her effusively. Eleonora left home because she began to respond and thought it might lead to other things. Then there was Bob and Jim, a couple of butch-looking lads who would have looked at home, knocking back a few tinnies at the local RSL club. Bob was a truckie and Jim worked down at the Naval dockyards. They lived downstairs in the basement of the house. Jim was smaller, tough and wiry, but Bob was built as Roy and HG would say, like a brick shithouse. <laughs> Big and blonde, no one ever fick, picked a fight with Bob. But it was Jim, of course, who used to beat Bob up at night, after the night on the piss. No one believed Bob's embarrassed admission the next day that he'd run into the door again when he appeared with a black eye or a loose tooth. Jim had given him a work over. We all knew, we had all heard the stories and the night st- sounds from downstairs. Then there was Grace. Grace lived at the back of the second floor and was what the world thought as a typical queen. He was more than a tad effeminate and she would think nothing of getting out her knitting at our afternoon joint fests and knitting quietly away while we all got off our faces. (laughs) His father had begun sexually abusing him when he was about 12. And he thought that was just how it was until a fellow schoolmate wised him up. So he moved to Sydney as soon as he could leave school and home. Living one further, up, one further level up was Sally and Pam. Sally had previously been Sally, but she had had what she called experiences that required her to have a new name. So she became Sally. She was quite exotic, black puddin bowl haircut, black eyeshadow and a slow drawl. Her friend, as she called her, was Pam. Pam was the butch in the relationship, always in moleskins and check shirts and elastic-sided boots. But at least Pam had a sense of humour, a nice contrast to the ever-intense Sally. Pam was from Perth, and she thought that living in Sydney was a hoot. Then there was also Tony, a very handsome actor, who lived on the third floor. He was straight, but he loved to appear at our gay parties in his short kimono, showing his tight little ass in his underpants. (laughs) (laughs) He was the star of the TV show, Skippy, which some of you might remember. (laughs) Well, after the kangaroo, as we used to tell him. (laughs) Then there was also Ray, known as Bueller, who was a TV scriptwriter. Although he lived on the boring North Shore, he was seen as quite glamorous to us, as he could name drop about all those people who appeared on television. But he didn't do drugs, so as the evenings wore on, he became a bit tedious to deal with. (laughs) (laughs) John lived on the top floor. He was a model, but he was straight, and his father was a wealthy doctor who owned the building, so John had to be invited along. I don't remember much about the other guests there. They were mainly other actors. Many of them were what Max called his ex-boyfriends. He was a serial monogamist, so he would have, have us believe. But at a certain point in any party where they were there, it would degenerate into people saying, do you remember when Max did Liz? <laughs> Max, the host, was an actor and always carried a briefcase with him containing his latest script and a big bottle of vodka. (laughs) He had stage presence, which sometimes, unfortunately, he should have left at the theatre, rather than bringing it home and (laughs) imposing it on us. (laughs) Graham was Max's partner, and they'd been together for about 10 years. Apart from being very tall, Max really was a larger-than-life character, a serious actor. Graham was half Chinese and had fled Adelaide after realising that Adelaide wasn't all that gay friendly in those days. (laughs) It was his Adelaide connection that had led Grace to come and live here. But this was Max's big day and his part in the movie from a play by David Williamson was a very good one. Max had done the role on stage several times but this would be his first on screen. Now before the party, Bob and Jim had had a few drinks and so they were primed. And when Grace started reminiscing about how his father used to fuck him when he came home from work while mum was cooking dinner nearby in the kitchen, Jim burst out, how could you let him do this to you? I would have belted his fucking face in. Mild Grace merely mentioned that he didn't know any different then, (coughs) which seemed to incense Jim even more. He started yelling at Grace, calling him a gutless queen. Bob intervened, saying poor Grace couldn't be blamed. He didn't know. So Jim turned on Bob and soon took a swing at him. Max was very drunk by this stage. It was his party and he tried to intervene. He yelled at everyone, it's my bloody party, get over it. So Jim took a swing at him too. And after that, it was on for young and old. (coughs) Some drunk then turned to Tony and said, you're just a prick teaser, and if you don't fuck off and let you, unless you let some queen suck your cook, cock, go away. <laughs> a few of the actors then moved quickly into position nearby, just in case that happened. <laughs> but, and they wanted to be there in the prime position, just in case. Tony took fright and looked around for support from John, the only other straight guy there, but John had already seen what was going to happen and had disappeared. (laughs) In the melee, someone knocked over Max's vodka and nothing was more likely to incense Max than the loss of his vodka. He began accusing everyone of ruining his party and when Bueller, Ray from the North Shore, attempted to hose things down, he got his face slapped. He then left very quickly declaring the people on this side of the harbour had no class. (laughs) Grace lost her knitting soon after. I had brought along Jeremy, whom I had only just met at the garage where our cars were being tuned. We'd both been sent to the local pub to fill in the time, got chatting, and we were both a little pissed. I fancied him, and so I invited him back to the party. But my friend got to him first and sat on his lap. And after a few wriggles and his hardening dick, that ended my chances. I know. And and so they left soon after. So I edged my way out into Victoria Street into a warm Sydney autumn afternoon. There was nothing left for me to do but to go to the bottoms-up bar at King's Cross and try my luck there. Thank you.
1: Thanks for listening. For tickets and dates follow Queer Stories on Facebook, and for late night ramblings and pictures of my dog Frank, follow Maeve Marsden on Twitter. For discount tickets to my shows as well as other perks, become a supporter of my work on crowdfunding platform Patreon for as little as $4 per month. Check out maevemarsden.com for more information.
0: Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quins.